Welcome back to the Two Black Runners podcast presented by the Runner Report here on episode 25. Look at 25 episodes. 20. This is a special episode and I'm glad that you guys here join us. Like always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anything like that. But we're back again with another Two Black Tuesday, another great podcast, and another great interview. I'm the host, Joshua Potts, and I'm always joined with a brother from the same mother, Super Hot Potts, Aaron, in the building. Aaron, how's how's it going? How's it going? Yes, sir. Bro, it's good, man. Number 25? That's crazy. 25. We're wow. really almost halfway to this goal of 52 podcasts, a full straight yeah. year of podcasts, and it's just crazy to see how the show has developed. I mean, I feel like we started taking off with like keeping that conversation going as a theme mm-hmm. and like we're on a new theme now kind of like with these what we're seeing with these track teams um being cut and last week if y'all heard we had hassan and and ben and haran all on and we got another minnesota native native on so i'm excited for this one i think a lot of people are gonna enjoy it and as always i'm just thankful for these opportunities man almost definitely bro when that opportunity knocks on the door you gotta knock it down uh, take advantage of it and really just run with it and that's what we try and do every single week here on the two black runners podcast without further ado let's get to our guest introduce him real quick he's a two-time big 10 champion he was a beast in high school as well let me not get it twisted 10th place at nxn he was a nike elite camper as well he was a former gopher just like aaron mentioned umnn steeplechase record holder and the 2018 ncaa steeple chase champion yes sir ali in the building bro how's it going how's everything going man what's up what's up what's up man thanks so much for having me on this podcast dude big fan over here appreciate you guys uh for having me on oh man i love what you guys are doing dude i really just appreciate that you just said big fan i I, that's a major love major love major love we always appreciate that bro Course, but be- I, I like how you guys keep it real i like that it's just let it flow keep it natural um yeah i love it but before we get into like more of these meat and potatoes of the interview uh we we gotta talk about what's really just going on right now and especially for you being someone who was who is a minnesota native that's been living in the state of minnesota for a long while the the state of minnesota for the past six months has really just been epicenter of social justice and has been now with the Minnesota uh, men's track and field team being cut as well. There has been so many things in 2020 that has mixed up the state of Minnesota. Just how has that been for you being a Minnesota native and just seeing everything that's going on in the past six months, man? Man, Man, I can't believe it's already already been like, what, six months since that happened. Crazy. Um, Yeah, man, it's been went by fast and also feels like forever ago but Mm -hmm. um it's been very very hard the past six months you know just going out you know my usual routes that i would go out you know and i see you know what what had happened in 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 may and early june you know and just you know seeing that the city will never be the same ever again um yeah from the training wise, I you know every every run I go on, you know I you know I I running I running to something and think about wow like this 
this was not like this when I was going for a run last year around this time. So it's just a it's just a reminder that you know something huge has happened um, this year in Minneapolis that you know will never be the same uh, going forward. So yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. I also had a heavy heart when everything happened with the George Floyd uh, situation. But being that you know it took place in Minnesota, I couldn't even imagine just growing growing up there and going out going out on training runs and just seeing everything that was that was going on and what's also crazy is this was your first year first year as a pro and you're dealing with all these different things how how has that how has that been man it's been it's been hard obviously um you know just like first of all just not knowing when the next race is going to be available um so me and my coach have just literally been taking it week by week day by day so you know just training like normal and if there's a race coming in we'll just try to adjust it as much as we can so that's that's what we did so i, I was thankful i was able to know um to raise a few times uh this year um you know even though i would have liked to uh got gotten in some uh steeplechase races but i was still able to like get some miles in uh i've, I've run probably more miles this year than my entire career um so yeah from the racing standpoint um i was happy to do that uh training was you know could you know everything was everything was perfect like i, I was healthy um towards the end of the the, the spring and the summer um you know i was running a lot of miles than i've ever ran before so <clears throat> it was it was perfect um you know I was, I was learning my first year being as a pro um i wish i would you know i wish that i would have been able to show it in like races but you know like I, you know i've i've been working on uh, a lot of uh hurdle techniques um without any pressure so Working, you know, that's something that I, me and my coach sat down and really wanted to work on this year going to the trials. Uh, you know, even though the trials were, were canceled, uh, we still mm-hmm. we still worked on my hurdling. And I was able to find a different, another coach who was a former uh, gopher coach, actually, uh, in, this, in the um, hurdles. So I was working with him uh, with my with my hurdle techniques and stuff. So that was that was perfect. That was cool. Um, yeah, from this training and you know racing standpoint, it was okay. But as far as Minneapolis, man, it's been it's been very sad. Um, you know, given that where George Floyd was killed, you know, I grew up, I grew up in South Minneapolis, so where George Floyd Floyd was killed uh, was like literally like less than a mile away from where I grew up. You know, that That's grocery cool. store he was killed by. You know, I used to, like middle and high middle school and high school like. Whenever I had a problem with my iPod, you know, that's that's where me and my friends went to get it fixed because they fixed electronics as well over there. It's like a convenience store that I grew up going to. And mm-hmm. you know, I saw that video and I was so shocked. I was like, this is Cup Foods. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. literally by my house. And um, I watched the entire video and I, I, I wish I wouldn't have. Um, yeah, dude, when I mm-hmm. saw that, like my, I've, Dude, like my entire, it was on a Monday, I think that I saw it, like my entire week was just so, like it, that just ruined my entire week. And you could say it ruined my entire entire year. It's just like, damn, like that's so close to where I grew up. You know, that could have been anybody else that, I, that I've known. So that was kind of scary. Um, but the city has not been the same ever since. Like, I don't think it'll ever be the same. Like I said, when I'm going for runs and I just see um, what it looks like now, you know, as opposed to like what it looked like, you know, even like in <clears throat> in March and April, it's just so, yeah. you know, so different. And I feel like that's really crazy how you have to say you grew up like a mile away from that cup and foods. And I 
this is I can't really relate to like that much of a level of that type of incident there. But during this uh, summer, there was like protests, like Black Lives Matter, like protests and of social injustice near near our city as well. And like the city over is uh, is where I usually run at, do all my runs, cause like it's like a whole bunch of dirt trails and everything. And as oh. that Black Lives Matter protest was going on, there's also like an anti protest. There's an anti protest with it, with like a Blue Lives Matter. And then there was like this huge thing on like at least a Twitter video of a guy. He was like he was a white supremacist, like he was like a neo Nazi, had like the shirt and the symbol. And like knocking some dude's phone out of his hand and the police not really doing anything about it. So just the level of just be able to connect the scene, like things like the things like this like do happen like right down the street from you. And people like this live right down the street from you. And you won't you won't ever notice until like that day comes. And it is it's extremely like it's sad and it's it's super un- unfortunate that like there's people out there with that much hate. Or there's just people out there that's not unaware of like the situation that we're living in. It's it's, it's really de- 2020. Like we already said, it's it's a crazy time, a real crazy time. Yeah, for real. I mean, it, at this point, it's you know everything that happens have become so numbing. It's just you know just you just it's it's hard to take anything in. You know, it happens. You just shrug it off. Honestly, like we're in what like almost october now so like nothing really is a surprise anymore this year which is sad (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's definitely sad and you also gotta i have to for myself i have to almost i have to monitor how much i can consume because it just he just messes with my with my day and my and my mental health for my own being but Mm -hmm. i wanted to talk too and recently minnesota's team got cut and you know, um, we had when we had Hassan and Ben on here. Hassan was talking about how it was um, a very tone tone deaf to cut the team when you just described how much you know the city is struggling. Can you describe a little bit what was like your initial feelings when you heard that the team was being cut? I was very surprised. You know, um, like I, I never thought. You know, like. Our, the University of Minnesota would ever cut uh, our program because I was like, how could that even happen? Like, what? how did we get to this place? You know, so I said, you know, and then I thought about it more and more and I still can't believe and I still don't know how we got to this point. But, you know, when I first, when I first heard about that, I was very angry and um, heartbroken, like I said, because uh, track and field is actually one of the most I know you did, this is probably nothing new, but it's literally one of the, the most diverse sports that at that university. And you know, yeah. not only that, we we give so many opportunities to people who are from the state of Minnesota, and a lot of you know, like I think like fifty percent, or it might be even more than that, of you know the track and field graduates are from like Minnesota. So these are like homegrown talent, you know, not only athletically, but academically as well that that are representing this school at the highest level. Like you talk to those guys like Hassan, Ben and um, Haroon, you know, they, they are representing the university still at the highest level yeah. as, as possible, right? Like yeah. And, yeah. Um, for, for somebody to come in and take that away from kids who are aspiring to be there, uh, it's just, it's, like like Hassan said, it's tone deaf. It just they it just shows that you know they they don't care. Yeah, and it just seems like like do they not know what's going on in the world? And 
if they have came out, you know, supporting like the Black Lives Matter movement and all of those things, it, it is kind of weird to, you know, cut one of the the most diverse sports and one of the sports that also it's been like it's been around for like a hundred years and has produced Olympians. Um, so yeah, it, it mm-hmm. really didn't make sense. And I yeah, I, I was shocked as well when I, when I heard it. Super shocked, super shocked. Right. So like our 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 president actually, like the University of Minnesota president, she's new this year. Um, uh, she like when the George Floyd thing happened, she was one of the first people to say we're cutting ties uh, with the Minneapolis Police Department. You know, which was great, right? Like that's yeah, that's yeah. forward, right? And then when you when you when you come back and cut a sport that you know that gives opportunities to 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 one of the most marginalized marginalized groups in in the state of Minnesota. You know, um, you know that's their avenue that you know they're you know. To, to get to that next level for them, um, you're taking that opportunity away from them. Um, so it's, it just, it's just not consistent with, you know, what, with what they want to advertise in their action. So for, for her to go ahead and, you know, cut ties with Minneapolis police department and then go ahead, um, cut the track and field team, which is, like I said, one of the most diverse, uh, teams on, in, in Minnesota, in the athletic department just doesn't add up. Especially it almost seems like performative activism, in a way and it's really just like what's what's going on what's the bigger picture here but we're definitely going to touch more on that a little bit later in the podcast but before we do that i kind of want to rewind to just uh to, to little opsa you feel me the little little opsa and where it really all started bro where your running career and everything started so i, I was reading up a little bit about you like you actually were born born in ethiopia if i'm if i'm correct and just how was yeah, yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, trans- how was that transition coming over to the states when you were uh, when you were a kid? Oh uh, man, it was it was it was hard, bro. I hated it. Um, I came here when I was like twelve years old, so you can imagine. Oh, uh, you know, I didn't speak um, a lick of English, like none. Right, um, came mm-hmm. over at sixth grade, not speaking the language. Um, you know, making friends were hard. Was hard. Um, yeah, dude. I, you know, my mom was here before me um, and I had siblings that were also born here. Um, so I came here and I already had siblings here that, you know, spoke English. Uh, you know, that helped a lot, especially, you know, around the house, just trying to conversate in English as much as possible so I can practice that language. Um, so, you know, within like three or four years, I was able to like pick up the language pretty fast. Um, after that, man, just things got easier and easier. I played soccer my entire life, uh, even back in Ethiopia and here. Played for clubs, I played in high school, and um, <clears throat> I also did um, wrestling. Um, mm. and, um, That's surprising. <laughs> yeah, I wrestled all four years of high school. Um, but yeah, I, yeah that's, you know, that, that's how I got into track, was in high school. Um, my coach asked me if, yeah, um, if I wanted to do track to stay in shape for soccer and I just came out and did you know I was doing long jump sprints and stuff like all of my friends were doing um, but then like one of my, my my early coaches asked me if I could run two laps without stopping <laughs> um, I told him no <laughs> I wasn't doing that um, but yeah and he just kept begging me and begging me but by the, by the end of like ninth grade um, at our sections he's like I'm gonna need you to run a mile and um, I think I ended up not showing up because I don't want to run it. 
because like that because all i did was like jumping and stuff so for me to go out there and like race people was like so scary uh that's that was like yeah I, my stomach hurt i you know i couldn't come to school today uh, <laughs> i was i was literally like i've never been that nervous for a race i just kept thinking about all the things that could go wrong um but finally got to run a mile that year um by forcefully um actually no i ran an 800 first i ran like i think 215 or something and i was like our best guy and that's how how i got introduced to uh distance that's awesome hey shout out to that coach for pushing you and getting <laughs> yeah getting you on that 800 because you obviously had talent for it and i do feel like you know i had a wrestler on my team who was like he only ran for like a year but he was like in our top top seven out of nowhere but i feel like a wrestler soccer player like you have to have endurance for both of those then wrestling mm-hmm. you got the toughness in there i mean it kind of makes sense that you like ended up doing doing the steeple with like <laughs> that combination mm-hmm. but we also wanted to ask who was that person in your life like that uh has impacted you or like inspired you like um so far the most and I'd say in terms of like running, I'd say Hassan Mead because um, I remember my first time ever hearing about him was I was a sophomore. It was the 2012 Olympic trials. You know, I just got done with track. Um, I was, you know, that was like the first year I had went to state, you know, um, and like I was getting calls from coaches and, um, and I, I that's when I first started, like, you know, getting into, like, college running, right? And I saw I saw him on TV mm-hmm. at the trials. I was like, dang, this kid is from, like, Minneapolis, you know, Minnesota. Yeah. And he's out there, like, at the trials. So I was, like, mind-blowing. And ever, ever since then, you know, like, that's been my goal to run at the trials and, like, try to make, you know, any team that I can. So I, I'd say, like, Hassan Mead, have, you know, has been, like, my, my biggest inspiration in terms of, like, running. Um, and I definitely still look up to him. Um was that one of the, your biggest inspirations, just like to go to Minnesota as well, to be at the same place that Hassan was at to follow that same path? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a no-brainer for me. Um, I, you know, like, I, I, I wanted to be close to home, and I wanted to be close to my mom. So uh, going to the University of Minnesota was like a no-brainer for me. I did. I still, like, went out and visited other schools. But I, I always knew, like, ever since I saw that Hassan on the, on the trials, you know, wearing that gopher jersey, um, I wanted to be a gopher. And I didn't even know that, it, you know, I could run in college. Um, but, you know, if I, like whether I run or not, I think I, I, you know, I wanted to be a gopher. That's something I always knew. And that's like, that's what broke my heart because there's probably yeah. some kid out there who's, you know, um, saying like, I want to be a gopher one day. And you hear, you know, he hears the news, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to that time, like if, if this would have happened, back then I would have just gave up. I would have been like, what's the point? You know, so it just breaks my heart that some kids like that are gonna take this. For real. And hey, representation really does matter, y'all. For you to see Hassan and be like an up and coming Minnesota star and then just being like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it entices you to fall in love with the sport. I would even say for myself, when I was in high school, Hassan too, was one of the first like like black cross country runners my dad like showed me and i was like oh okay like okay we out here like 
Yeah, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it really yeah. is. Like, yeah. We could do this. Yeah, no, yeah. That's like that's you know that's that's what I said too. Like, um, like cutting this sport, you're you're literally crushing so many dreams out there that you know that so many potentials. So representation do matter at you know at in in every single aspect of you know sports or life um and just can't take track and field away because that actually like matters a lot to a lot of people and you know putting people like us up there um would mean a lot yeah especially and then uh just a minute ago we were talking a little bit about like your high school days and stuff. When was that defining moment? Like when you're all like, I know track and fields for me and like, I want to do this for a career. Did it come in high school when you're going to like Nike elite camp and placing in top 10 NXN or did it come when your time at Minnesota? Uh, it came in Minnesota. Yeah. Probably when I want NCAs um, before that, I never, I never, you know, I, I, I did track and field because I was good at it, you know, and then I got to college, you know, I, I had a scholarship for it. And then it was always like, okay, after college, you know, this is not something that I'm probably not going to do. I'm just going to ride it out. But then, you know, when I won NCAs, um, it just showed like the potential I had in the sport. And I just, you know, I, I told myself that I wasn't done, that, you know, I had, I had a lot more things to accomplish. Um, so that's, I think, I think when I won 2018, it was probably like the year I was like, okay, I think I would like to do this for a few more years and not just be done with, with it when I'm done with college. And what, what were your first initial thoughts when you get to Minnesota and your coach is like, Hey, I think you should, you should run the steeplechase. Cause I would say people think of the steeplechase as like the most like crazy, awkward event in track and field. Like a lot of people are scared i mean myself included scared to do that race um where is that something you always wanted to do or was it like your coach suggested and you're like let's get it it started out as a joke actually because there were some kids uh there were some guys who were uh doing steeple and you know i was just like going over the hurdles and i was pretty flexible always so and i had done like the hurdles races the first few years of my high school career mm -hmm. and you know like players would just be like okay come out to come out to a steeple practice um we'll just we'll just see what goes how it goes um you know i just kept showing up kept showing up kept showing up and then by my third year we were finally like okay we're gonna try to get our steeple race in this year and that's when we finally did but you know i've i've always been like at the steeple practice with the guys but never really fully committed to it because I was like, I, I could still try to comp uh, contribute as much as I can, you know, in other races like the 5K and the 15. But, you know, um, my third year, we were like, we, 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 we could use some points in the uh, 3,000 3, steeplechase at Big Tens. And that's when we really went for it. And I, I was very surprised that I was actually like, um, my first race was like at a local D3 meet and it was just me by myself. And I was like, ah, oh, that's that was easy. I think I can I could run faster. Um, and we just stuck with it ever since. So yeah. What would you say is like is the the best advice you can give to somebody that's like going out to try steeple or like for their first race? What would be the best tip to give that person? Um, don't even think about the hurdles. Like I know they're there, but don't even think about it because when you approach them you will get over them no matter what. But the more you overthink it, that's that's when it gets worse. Yeah, and speaking Just, of over overthinking the hurdles, we wanted to go back and play 
your 2018. No, I'm just I'm roasting right now, low key. Your 2018. <laughs> yeah, no, that was you can't cut out hard with that one, bro. I was like, dang. <laughs> but your 2018 NCAA title is crazy. I think everyone, the track fans know that was like a that was a crazy that was a crazy race. And like your interview afterwards, you were like so shocked. And that makes sense, like the way you're describing everything now, why you were so surprised, even though you 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 had like the fastest time going into it. But like we wanna I'm up I'm gonna yeah. share this race right now on the screen. I want you to run us through this like last this last six hundred right here. I I was going back and forth because um yeah, I think it was like a lap to go and I was like like looking back around and see like where where am I gonna finish like worst case scenario right and I was like where would I be comfortable of finishing and I told myself third place fourth place I'm good with it I I'll, I will be happy with that and I was like just stay here don't get past right yeah I was I was dude I was tired Stephen Fay he pulled up on me I was like okay I can run him down the last 200 I'll take third place but then Brian went down. <laughs> I don't know what it was that it suddenly it felt like the race just started. Like it was like zero minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right there. I just, like, I just got to go and I just went for it. And I don't know where that energy came from because I was dead. <laughs> yeah. And so just, here on this back stretch, like what's going through your mind as you take the lead? I was like, there, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go for it. If I fall, if I get tired, if I get past, if I get last, there's literally the worst thing that can happen is nothing. There, there's nothing for me to lose. And the last 50, me, uh, 50 meters, I just looked back. I was like, holy shit, I might win this race. <laughs> and I just like, I was like, what just happened? Did I just win this race? So I just kept, I was like, is this like, is this right i just kept looking back and i was like wait is somebody gonna come by and pass me because i was never thought i'd ever win a national champion my entire career and i was just like yeah i was like what just happened bro i was very surprised very very surprised because i just wanted to make the finals coming in from the year previous year that race is crazy but like i feel like I feel like what you did got overshadowed because everyone was like, bro, Brian Barraza fell. But like, I was rewatching that race earlier today and I was like, bro, you were really coming though. And the way you took off, I was like, bro, I think you would have caught him anyways. Like you were. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a mental reset. I would say it was like, it was a mental reset. Like I was, I mean, yeah, I I, I knew I was going to kick, but I didn't know where I was going to finish if I kicked. And I was like trying to figure out, like, where would I be comfortable finishing? I know that's kind of bad. My coach <laughs> probably did not want to hear this, but that's that was like what was going through my mind. I was like, where would I be comfortable finishing in this race? And, I, you know, I ruled out either third or fourth place and I could probably kick some people down. Um, but it just played out. I just I, I wasn't tired <laughs> at all <laughs> with that 300 to go. That's a that's a great feeling to have in a race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a crazy race, and definitely like I was I was telling Aaron yesterday, like one of the most unorthodox like NCAA championship races like ever. Like right up next to when Kendall Ellis ran down that girl from Purdue, like yeah. crazy NCAA races, like for sure. Mm-hmm. But then going on to the next year at 2019, you placed you placed fourth at NCAA's. And like that was a crazy race too. At least last 150 meters, 
I can't remember the name yeah. of the first guy that went down the water jump, and then Stevie Fahey goes down with uh, 75 meters to go. Just, like, take mm-hmm. us through that little, like, last 150 and, like, you going in as the defending champ. How was that in 2019, like, that whole atmosphere? It was – yeah, man. Um, like I said, you know, from the previous year, um, obviously I would have liked to win again. But I just, I just, like, you know, I just went in with the same mentality, like, you know, one race at a time, just make the finals and, you know, see what happens after. Um, but that – like you said, that race was crazy because – there were, you know, I thought, you know, if in the position I was in, I was like, I can, I can probably kick some people down again. Um, you know, with, with 150 to go, I can probably pass a lot of people and, you know, end up winning it. But um, Stephen, uh, Stephen Fahey went down and I was like, oh my God, is this going to happen again? Because I was in second place. <laughs> at and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> people probably think I have some sort of voodoo. <laughs> you know, and I was like, "Oh my God, is this gonna happen again?" And I, I you know, I kicked fat even like fast, and you know, with that last 50, 30 meters, I think like two more people came by and passed me. Just didn't have it that day, but yeah, I just, when I saw the Stephen Fahey go down, it was like another another spark in me again. Um, you know, <laughs> but it wasn't enough. Uh, like it wasn't like three hundred meters out. It was like. I think like 50 or 60 meters out he went down so yeah again that was that was crazy and the heat um probably you know everybody was tired everybody but then after that so then you did usa's you did usa's following that that year and you ended up getting you ended up having a good race there you ended up getting six i believe joshua am i correct on that yeah sixth place but then even before that you ran great at sunset tours ran that 828 just how was the end of that 2019 season for you last year? I bet you were super hyped for 2020 coming into this next year after after how you ended 2019. Yeah, uh, 2019 was, man, it was a, the, t- towards the end of it, you know, after NCAs, I was so disappointed, um, you know, and I knew I had, you know, I had a better race in me than that. So that's why I went down all the way to California. Um, and like I said, I still, um, I, I wasn't signed with anybody at the time. You know, I could have worn any jersey, but I, I still decided to wear Minnesota because that's that's the school. That's 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 still like the school I, I would like to represent wherever I go. Uh, but, you know, going forward, if they do end up cutting that track and field team, that's not something I'm going to be proud to represent. You know, you won't see me wearing a Minnesota hat because I have no no connection with the with the university whatsoever. Um, but I was, you know, because if, even as an alumni, then you know, I was, I wore the Minnesota jersey because I wanted to keep representing my school, and they, you know, that's the school didn't pay for me to go down there, but you know, I, I still had yeah. so much respect for for the university and the program and what they've done for me. Um, I was, you know, I wanted to represent them there, um, and I ran eight twenty eight there, so I was, I was, I was not surprised. I think. Um, um, I, 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 I wish I would have ran a little faster. I think I was capable of running a little bit faster, but that, you know, that, that was a good setting stone going to the USA's and, um, yeah, USA's was uh, an experience. I, you know, I've never been in a race like that where people are closing in sub 60 last, last, um, last 400 going over hurdles. So being, being next to those guys was just like inspiring and, you know, inspired me to work even more harder to come back next year. And, be better than I was, uh, you know, better than sixth place, but you know, it didn't happen. But I was, you know, I was, I was able to, you know, come out of there with a good feeling. Uh, I was able to get a deal with Adidas, um, A6, um, 
yeah, uh, and I'm thankful for ASICs and what they've done for me uh, this year. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited for next year, man. I, like I said, we worked really hard this year to try to work on my uh, hurdling form and stuff. So hopefully that, you know, that that shows and races and yeah. What would you say from your, your first year as a pro, like what what is something that you, you know, learned about, about yourself going through all this? Because yeah, there's a lot just going on this year for you. Yeah, like I said, man, it's just it's just been so much going on. And the only thing that's been consistent is is like my training. And that's one thing I'm super thankful for, you know, my health. I, you know, I'm, I'm still healthy um, and I'm still able to train. So, the, you know, and and <clears throat> I was able to build like um, a mentality that I've never had before, you know, because in school, you know, even on days where you don't feel like running. Um, you have teammates that that push you along and come out and take you on runs and you know runs go by faster and whatnot but you know when you're training by yourself especially like those early 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 spring uh early summer days where nobody was meeting up for runs i was meeting up with nobody i was running you know all my runs were by myself and i started uh, meeting up with my coach towards the end you know towards the end of the spring and uh just seeing for workouts so it was it just really um built like a really good discipline uh, where I was just like every day I wake up you know even when I in on days I don't feel like running you know I, I still go out there because this is this is something I love to do and this is what this is the coolest job that I have that I'm you know I'm, I'm doing my favorite thing to do um to be you know I'm being paid to do that now so yeah and just the discipline I was able to get uh, from from this year was you know it's, it's, it's only going to make me stronger mentally I think that's what I'm thankful for. Yeah, I totally understand like the point of uh, running by yourself and getting that discipline. Cause I feel like when you go on like, especially if you go on like a 16 mile long run, like solo, it's sort of like a similar feeling of like shooting in an open gym or <laughs> something like that, being able to just like work on yourself. And like, I feel like there's some, there's some type of uh, peace that goes along and just be able to learn like your whole entire body when you get to do like a workout or running by yourself. And it's something that, that's something that can definitely be like annoying at times, but then mm -hmm. super just gratifying when like it, everything's going right for sure. No, for real. Yeah. I put hairs on your chest. Yeah, like long runs, long runs were actually like my favorite because that's like the longest time I'm out there just like running, right? And it, it, it almost, mm -hmm. like, it almost became like, uh, you know, it's almost like an hour and 50 or like 16, 17 mile, like just long meditation, you know what I'm saying? Just like, just me out there, just thinking about everything that's going on, taking it in. That's that's like actually when I take everything in during my long runs, it just became like a meditating thing to do. Like, it just like, it, it was like a break from everything. So like my, what I look forward to every day, every morning was like that, that, that run that I go on was like the most peaceful part of the day. And then you come back, you're just bombarded with everything else that's <laughs> yeah. on. The church of the long run, church of the long run, man, especially with everything going on, it's just a good way, you know, you just focus on putting one foot in front of the, in front of the other. And it's a time, mm -hmm. it's like Joshua, you always say, like it, it's like a little escape from reality. And that's like one of the beauties of running. Um, but I also, I wanted to move on to talking about the, the cutting of UM and I've already the U of UM in and like talking to you already like you talked about how you ran in that gopher uniform 
at Sunset Tours before, before you were signed because you had so much respect for the program. I wanted to ask you what what did the track team represent or like what did it what did it mean to you? It meant it meant the world to me because um, it provided me with so many tools, you know, especially uh, coming from a high school where um, uh, a high school that's underfunded, you know, coming to that university, um, you just like you know like going to going to college was you know something 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 foreign right for especially like from i i'm i'm the first one to go to college from you know in my family so for me like you know going to school post high school was like something foreign but the university of minnesota was able to you know bring me in uh provide me with that opportunity and really you know the track and team field that also that program uh providing me with all the tools that i need you know to be on the even playing field um uh, with my colleagues. So, you know, they, you know, everything that I needed in this life, everything that I've accomplished in this life, I owed to that, that program and my coach, coach Steve Placentia, the, everything that they've done for me. So I'm, you know, I'm forever thankful for that. So I, it means the world to me, that program. And it, like, when I heard about that, you know, that program being cut, you know, it felt like, um, a relative past, right. That's how much it meant to me. Damn, that's heavy. And yeah, it's like what you were saying earlier, like Karun had a similar story to you. He said he's the first one to graduate. Um, I'm not sure exactly what country he's from as well, but Ethiopia. he said he's from Ethiopia as well. And when he said too, like, you know, he saw Hassan, he saw Ben and he wanted to, he wanted to do that. And that's how he got deeper into the track and, and it led him to these opportunities. And like, hey, we're seeing another generation with you. And like you were saying earlier, like if we're ending this and cutting this. I guarantee you there is someone like Opsa out there that is training that saw him in that 2018 championship that said, I want to be a gopher one day. And that opportunity to be the first one to graduate from college can be taken away. Exactly. And that's that's terrible. That's sad. Right. I mean, like I said, man, by, by taking this track and field program away, uh, the University of Minnesota is just um, is just marginalizing the marginalized community even more, you know, keeping them where they are instead of providing them with with an opportunity. The one thing I, I like what you mentioned was the fact of especially like opportunity. But you said the opportunity of like to get a degree and then getting that uh, that grad program and to have like be on the same level at your colleagues for like the first time. Just mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit of just having an opportunity of just to get the education at that level. And did you, were you able to, did you graduate uh, from University of Minnesota and what was your major? Yeah, I was able to graduate from there. Um, I had a business marketing degree and I had a human resource degree as well. And then I had a, um, a minor in retail merchandising just because um, I wanted to do that my last, last year, and I've you know I'm, I've always been interested in um, the business of fashion, so that's something that I um, I was always interested in, you know, <clears throat> and yeah, I was I was blessed with what the university has done for me, you know, from like uh, tutoring help, um, you know, food, um, I mean, mm. man, we I everything that I've, that I, you know, everything that I needed was there. Like I just had to come show up and perform.
like I can just tell from what you just said right now, a prime example of somebody taking like full advantage of like the opportunities given to you, like at the university as if someone like when you're, when you're a D one athlete, or even if you're an athlete at a C at a CC or a D two, they always, the coach will always list like you get this and that and this and that, and then be able to actually like take advantage of those opportunities. Like, and even if you don't take advantage of those opportunities, track and field still leads you to several different avenues because like my counterpart, my brother right here, Aaron, this man, I don't know if he took advantage of those many opportunities, Aaron, but he still got to the place where he is now working at Hoka from being at Azusa, then going to then going to uh, run with the Hoka Aggies and then working at Running Warehouse and now being at Hoka. So it really is the opportunities from running is are so endless. And we've talked to this many times before, even with Ryan and Sarah Hall, that like it can lead to so many different places. And it's a great thing to see, to be honest. Right, man. I totally agree. And I want to say congrats to Aaron as well on on that new gig and keep modeling, bro. <laughs> Thank you, bro. <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all inquiries. Y'all might see me on GQ soon, okay? <laughs> as long as you let me style you, bro. Hey, I need that. I need that for sure, bro. And then one more thing that we really wanted to discuss before, before we get out of here, uh, Opsa is that there's also something really going on in your home country as well that I feel like a lot of people haven't been brought attention to. I don't want to get into full detail because I don't want to I don't want to mess mess it up. And I think it's a serious like it's a serious topic that where the phrase like black lives can't matter until all black lives matter. And I feel like that especially uh, especially prevalent in, in the issue that's going on in Ethiopia with the Oromo, Oromo people, yeah. people. Yeah. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, could you really just ex- describe just what's the protest going? What are the Oromo protests really all about? Yeah. So the Oromo protest is act uh, all about, um, you know, like Ethiopia. Um, actually, used to belong to the like the Oromo people are the indigenous people of the country of Ethiopia, right? Um, and they were colonized by by the um, Ethiopians and they were stripped from their language, um, their, their, their culture and everything, right? Um, they've been abused for several years and, you know, they're, they, they're taking their, their, their lands have been taken away. Um, that's, you know, that happens, uh, that happened, uh, years, 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 years ago. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. the, like they, they were still not, they, they still weren't, you know, get on the same playing field as, you know, the, the, the Ethiopians or more people, even though they're they're, they're the largest uh, by population, um, but you know what really sparked the Oromo protests was um, the killing of Hachalu Hundesa. He's um, he's a prominent Oromo artist. Um, they you know he was assassinated you know by the government, um, and that really was the last straw. Like it was for George Floyd here and for um, black people, and that was you know like the Malcolm X of you know my people Oromo people. And he he really represented mm. um, us, you know. It was he like like you know we say he was he was the voice for the voiceless, right? Um, if you look at people yeah. like um, uh, Sifan Hassan or Yomif Kajelja, uh, they're Oromo, and though th- they are actually one of the few few uh, Ethiopian uh, runners who uh, proudly 
represent the Oromo uh, community. Um, if you think about all okay. the Babas, um, you know, Kanunisa Bekela, he also is Oromo, right? And they're all Oromo, but, you know, um, given the situation going on, um, you know, you can't claim Oromo um, proudly or you can't f- wave that flag proudly, you know, because, you know, the, 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 the people in power. Um, so um, there's been a lot of assass- assassination uh, to a lot of Oromo leaders or people who speak out for, for the Oromo people. Um, there's been, you know, one of the prominent um, leaders right now, uh, Jawar Muhammad. Um, he's in prison as well. That's, you know, that's that's what Oromo protest is about, trying to get him out of the prison. Um, there's a lot of journalists um, who are advocating for Oromo right also in prison. Um, so it's just a lot of a, a lot of um, abuse of power going on in that country as well. So, yeah, Oromo protest is all about, you know, getting the political um prisoners out of prison and really um, give the same opportunity to, to the Oromo people as everybody else, you know, uh, don't take their lands away. <clears throat> um, you know, Oromo people could go to college, uh, university there, graduate and still not get a job because of mm. their name, right? Just because of being Oromo. So the, the protest is just really like, we, we, we want to be treated as equal to everybody else. And even though this is our land, we don't, we don't get that. Yeah. And I just find it really crazy of you, someone that's supporting the Romo protests. It's like there is so much things on your plate in 2020. I know we're talking about how crazy 2020 is, but we've also like described the blessings of 2020 of you being pro, but like you've, you've turned pro this year. And then mm-hmm. the cutting of University of Minnesota, and then the out, then the being black in America is something that's definitely just affecting you this year. Then on top of being, of the Romo protests, like there's so many things that you've had to like juggle and like manage for release uh, this past year in 2020, which is all mm-hmm. of that. And retrospect, I feel like we've been asking you all podcasts, like, how do you feel about this? But really, like, I think it's it's a great question because a lot of people can't really relate to all the things that you have to think about in your head on a daily daily basis. You, you understand where I'm coming from. Right. No. For, yeah, for sure, man. It's just it's so many things going wrong and so many, you know, it's like, OK, I got to I got to I got to, you know, bring attention to what's going on in this country. I got to bring attention to what's going on in my country. And then I got to bring attention to, you know, this opportunity taken away, being taken away from, uh, yeah. from you know, people. And it's just so much. And, you know, that actually like this past two weeks have just been like, you know, so like depressing, I want to say it's just like it almost feels like there is like no hope and you know this year at all but you know what what gives me hope is you know how you know like the running community has responded to you know to the cutting of the program you know everybody's like speaking out as as that's you know that's their program you know because you know it's only a matter of time just until this thing you know sparks and you know next thing you know there's no more ncaa track and field right so um yeah it, this is really you know the turning point it's it, you know so i it, it, it means a lot for people to really care even though it's not their program um it just shows you know how strong the running community is um as far as um everything else you know um hopefully hopefully i'm, I'm hopeful things will change um in this country i'm hopeful we are you know we are headed you know toward the right direction uh you know it's not it's, it's, it's not going to be a change overnight right you know this is things this is something that's been happening for hundreds of years yeah. so 2020 was you know a wake-up call for everybody but you know 
not everything is going to change this year, right? It's, it's going to take some time. It's not, you know, it might take even decades, but, you know, my, you know, my job is to, you know, try, try to influence everybody that I come across, you know, in a, in a positive way and show them, you know, what, what, you know, what they mean, you know, when, you know, when people say Black Lives Matter, um, because to some people saying Black Lives Matter, you know, they find it very offensive, right? Um, but it's just yeah. showing them that with action, like what, what does Black Matter mean, right? You know, Black Lives Matter mean. So just showing them that, you know, in a way I can. And as far as, you know, what's going on back home, it's just using my Twitter platform and really retweeting everything, you know, um, our, you know, the, the, the people in charge of uh, the Orma protests are tweeting out and just retweeting it and, you know, talking about it as much as I can. Uh, yeah. And just there's a lot of things, um, you know, to really juggle, but it's it's hard man it's it's tough but we'll get over it right we'll get hey, through it. we appreciate hey we appreciate you though you know using your platform to just try and spread that awareness and like yeah. i don't want people to take for granted like that is like this stuff is like emotional labor i know how much black lives matter affected me and i couldn't imagine if my home country, since I am from America, I couldn't imagine though, if I knew where I was from mm-hmm. in Africa, knowing, you know, and having family there and in right. these protests going on, I was reading a little bit about it on, on your Twitter. And yeah, some this crazy, crazy things are, are happening out there. And mm-hmm. it's a crazy world, world we live in. It for is. Sure. But how was that too? Like, I always think it's interesting, like, so you moved here when you were, you were 12, yeah. like, how has, what has your experience been like, like being just black in America? Like, did you just notice how it was like different or just speak on, speak on that if you can, if you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, coming from a country um, where there is basically no white people. Right. Um, yeah. I, you know, I growing up, I don't know where racism. How do I get there? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like I, no say, no say. <laughs> like I had, you know, I didn't know what racism was, you know, it was just there, you know, there was, you know, there was, there was different people in that country who spoke different languages and spoke Mm-hmm. different um and had different cultures and different religions but everybody was you know um was able to coexist and there wasn't much conflict you know until now but and when i came to america i, I realized that like my my skin had to do with everything right like people saw me and they didn't see that i was from ethiopia they didn't see that i you know that i'm not from here they they saw that i was black Right. And whenever they see me, what they're what they have in their head is what they've been thought or what they've seen on TV. Right. They, they've already made up their mind as what kind of person I am just just by looking at me. Um, but, you know, but what I, what I was from, like you, you knew um, you had to really speak to the person. You had to like judge them based on their character. Right. But here mm-hmm. um, I feel like you you as soon as somebody meets you the first thing that they notice is your skin yeah that's crazy yeah. like it's really the elephant in the room yeah <laughs> like wherever you go right it's crazy like yeah it's crazy here from you like yeah 
you won't really know like someone is a Romo until or, or, until you. I, I think I said that wrong, but until you talk to them, you know. And yeah. it's just, yeah, no, that is that is a crazy it's a crazy concept to think though. Like you walk in a room and what people just see on TV or hear in music or I don't know, they just like say like, oh, that must be what you're like. Right. Like, that's crazy how much media controls people like that. I mean that that's literally the you know what's the what's like people really that's where they form that bias right when as soon as they see a black person uh they they already like it's not like they know that person but you know from what they've been taught you know whether that's at home or you know their you know who they look up to or you know what kind of TVs they watch or what kind of movies or whatever um, it's just like I said, you know, representations matter, right? You know, black, you know, like black people um, don't have to be only sprinters. You know, they don't have to only jump, triple jump, or long jump. Mm-hmm. They can be distance runners, right? So that's why when you know when I was like when I saw that you guys were distance runners doing this, I was like kind of pumped. It's like this is cool. This is really dope. Like I, I appreciate this a lot. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, it is dope. It is. It's dope. That's crazy. Cause I I I don't can't remember what part. I think it was when we had Marielle on. We were talking just in the fact of like uh, we don't want to be like BET for running since we're like two, <laughs> two like two black runners like reporting like running news. But then also on the fact of like if if we if we're able to go down the road and and inspire people, I hope there's there's a uh, a black kid out there one day who's running cross country. As a freshman in high school, and is able to see us like reporting it, and just be able to feel more comfortable, more comfortable in it. Like they may go to practice and be all like, "Man, I can't really connect with everybody on this team." But when I'm able to, when I'm able, and th- and then once they're able like to watch uh, the running report and watch U.S. runners and see how it's getting covered, they can see themselves in it, and really, and they can see themselves running in it. But they can see like. There, there's a, there's a, I, there's a definite difference on how things are reported from a, a flow track and a runner space to an ESPN and a Fox Sports, and <laughs> that's just not because of running. It's also just because of the culture and the swag that's put into it, or like a Bleacher Report, and that's just that's not to like throw shade. I feel like, but it's just it's just the reality of things and how things. Are covered and who's put in the positions to report what and who's the announcers anything like that because it's but it's just something that's needed in track and field and i feel like and yeah I, i'm glad that i'm glad that you're able to connect to that and see what we're trying to do it's really it's uh reassuring for sure yeah for sure man i, I really you know i really hope you guys do continue this like i said because yeah we need we need more of these right we need we need black runners especially in the distance community uh, to really see that you know they 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 belong here, right? I mean, in outside the United States, uh, the 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 distance uh, you know the distance races are you know dominated yeah. by other African and Black people, right? But in America, it's the opposite, and you know, mm-hmm. and it, because it's always been that way, right? And when when I was like one of the, I was the only Black kid. On, on my cross country team, and I hated cross country because I couldn't relate to nobody. I couldn't wait yeah. for track every single year. I couldn't wait for track, right? But I, when I once I got to college, that changed because like 
<clears throat> the track and field team and the cross country team was the same thing. So I was able to meet a lot of, you know, a lot of people that are late to in so many different ways, you know, and people that had never even crossed path with on, on my team, on my cross country team. And like, those are one of my best friends. Those are people I ended up rooming with. Right. So. And that's, that's another thing. Just come on, come on, Minnesota, bruh. You, you taking that away. Come on, man. What are you, what are y'all doing? But with, with, that, with that being said, everything hopes so. We really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. We have like a little bit uh close out questions. We want to get to you first, but before we get to that, like, yeah, we appreciate everything coming on and we can't wait to be able to talk to you again. But be, before we get you out of here, we have a couple questions. And first one, bro, this weekend, race of the century. That's a lot of people are calling oh, let's it. Let's go. Kipchoge versus yeah. Bikele. I got to ask you, bro, who you, who you got? Who you got? I'm going with Bikele, man. I'm going with let's Bikele. Let's go. Let's go. go. <laughs> and go, right? <laughs> I'm going with him. I got a rep for my country. Do you think we'll see, uh, do you think we'll see a world record go down? Man. I, you know, I think it's going to be close. I, I wouldn't be surprised because there hasn't been many races and these guys have probably put, have been putting so much work in. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that, actually. Um, so I think Bike I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying Bekele, but keep joking. You can't you can't roll that guy out in the marathon, but I'm, I'm going for the underdog. I'm going for the underdog. Hey, I'm right with you. I think Bekele is about to make Kipchoge look dumb. No, I'm just what, <laughs> bro? If they're, if they're together with two miles to go, it's over. If Bikela doesn't That's drop out, if if he doesn't drop out, if he doesn't drop out and he's there with two miles to go, I, I think he he'll be hard to be. I think beat. he either wins or drops out too. Like to be honest, like if he's, <laughs> if he's having a bad day, he's not gonna stay. But if he's having a good day, he's gonna win. Yeah, you never know. Um, I, if if he if he finishes, he's gonna win. Otherwise, he'll drop out. <laughs> exactly. You don't you don't you know about that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait for it too. Then also, we got this new thing that we're gonna try out here on uh, Two Black Runners, bro. We I seen this going through your Twitter, bro. I seen this tweet and I want to talk about it real quick. Uh, on August fourteenth, you tweeted, "I just be chilling and randomly think about Michael Jackson's Remember the Time music video." And my day gets better so i gotta ask you bro like is who's your favorite <laughs> artist of all time it's the king of pop or who else are you listening to oh man my favorite artist of all time i would say kanye um he's my favorite artist of all time all all across the board right but michael jackson is uh, he's up there for sure he's probably it, it goes back and forth between michael jackson and kanye west but michael jackson his music videos bro like you gotta watch him yeah, they are like, no other music videos like michael jackson's music videos bro and that remember the time music video like i i just sit there and watch the entire thing like when i'm bored it's it just it makes me so happy because dude is just wilding with the dances yeah right he was so, so talented i wish i could have seen him perform like it's so sad that even michael jackson dude, i remember I when michael jackson died like that was crazy when he got murdered you mean that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. He said, man, you, Aaron, you look you wilded today, bro. You look you wilded. I know. <laughs> Say some controversial things over here, bro. 
you you guys need like a conspiracy theory podcast like on the side. Bro, I I if you guys if people listening, if you listen to the brilliant idiots, they had this episode where they talked about this little conspiracy about Michael Jackson, but I don't think that's conspiracy. Like it's one hundred percent true, bro. This man <laughs> owned half of the publishing company of like music, but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother story. They wanted him gone, right? <laughs> and also Kanye, I love Kanye as well. Like Kanye was like the first rapper I ever really got into, but I have such mm-hmm. a love hate relationship with this man. Like I I can't even be I can't be looking at the stuff he does, bro, because. I gotta just listen to the music because some this dude this dude be this dude be wilding. He he does be wilding. He does be wilding. But man, he is right most of the times. I want to say <laughs> he has bro. That's why that's why when he says something dumb, I'd be hurting me, bro. Because like this is the man that made crack music. <laughs> Moving on to the to the another question we always ask. Who do you think? Who should we have on the next podcast? We always ask this one. Hmm. Anyone you on got the in next mind? Podcast. You guys know Isaiah Harris? Who? Oh yeah. Isaiah Harris. Okay. Eight hundred guy. He went to Nike. Yeah. 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 He, I, I, you guys should have a talk with him. All right. I think we can do that. He's always with Robert Ford. We interviewed yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they train together or something. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we can make that happen. I think that'd be a good one. They seem... Well, Robert, he's funny, so... Yeah, I'm sure he would yeah. be funny, too. Isaiah, is, he's, he's a young goat. Bro, you, that man was... He was killing it at Penn. At Penn. And, but honestly, Absolutely. even as... I don't think he raced this year, but... Uh, right. Uh, in, his, in his pro seasons last year, he was he was killing it. He's definitely... The 800, the US 800 right now is so competitive. So competitive. Yeah. yeah. One more question and then we'll, we'll get you out of here and let you enjoy your day like what mark do you want to leave on the sport when you're all done bro when you hang up those spikes what do you want people to remember opsa i leave for man um honestly man i just you know want to be as competitive like i just want people to know me as like i want to be as competitive as i can while having fun with it right i i, I at the end of the day like this is not something i'm going to be doing forever um, you know, I want, I want, I want to be as competitive as I can. I want to, I want to do the best as I can. But if I'm not having any fun, there's, you know, there's no point to it. So I, I want to do it while having fun, and it's, you know, making that as enjoyable as possible for me. And I think, um, you know, that's what I want people. Um, that's what I want to leave on. You know, that I want people to remember me as like, you know, I was competitive, but I also, you know, try to make it as fun as I can. You know. I look, I, I love that response, but I look, you think this man's a little too humble, Aaron. This man's going to be a beast. This man's going to be a beast, bro. Well, if he was to win that NCAA championship, this man going to be in the Olympics one day. Bro. Come on, bro. <laughs> all, I know, all I know is at the Olympic trials, this dude going to be like in fourth place and somebody going to fall. <laughs> Better watch okay. out that voodoo. That voodoo is definitely gonna be on the track. They hear bro. the footsteps in it. They hear those footsteps, bro, and and they had to get scared, bro. It's that voodoo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, with all with all that, bro, mm-hmm. we really do appreciate you coming on the podcast and everybody listening all the way this far. Episode 25 was truly a special podcast, and one thank you for that, especially. Aaron, you got anything left to say before we get out of here, bro? Um, as always, thanks for tuning in. 
again, Opsa, really appreciate you coming on, hanging out with us, and I'm sure we'll see you around soon. But yeah, to everyone who listened this far in, thank you guys. Um, Joshua, let's make sure we get a link in there for uh, Minnesota track and field reinstate. I think like the decision's October like 8th or something. Hey, yeah, man, it's coming up, bro. So okay. we need to get as many people that want to sign that petition on there and mm-hmm. then for the uh, Aromo people as well. What's to put a link for in sure. there? Uh, okay. He has a whole bunch of information on that for people who want to try and help and do anything they can. But thank you. you, you yeah, he really put us on to a lot of stuff today. So I think this, this was a great podcast. Yeah, bro. We appreciate y'all. Go out there and educate yourself, you guys. We're going to educate ourselves too. Thank you so much, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you so much.